Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Battlefield Show. I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the battlefield of life. You know what you're here for. No more messing about. Stick the tape in. Hit the track. Onwards! Episode 34 of the Battlefield Show. Welcome. We have returned. Another week in lockdown, another week in quarantine. Things are being loosened south of the border. We continue to look over that wall, Hadrian's Wall, with delight at what's possibly coming our way. You know? Doing an England shire a mere meter, a mere meter apart, but yet we remain twice, double, squared, north of the border. Two meters we remain. You could possibly, at a full wingspan, stretch it to to a loved one outside of your bubble and touch fingertip to fingertip. South of the border. My God, they're, pr- they're practically in tap of each other at a mere metre. You know? Now, who am I to, to assume that uh, a simple reduction in the distance that we should remain apart from each other will in any way impact upon the spread of this virus? Who knows? But I'll tell you something. 
for these wee independent shops, eh? That have spent hundreds, if not thousands, in buying two meter stickers and fucking glow in the dark arrows to stick in the floor. You're gonna have to get back online, guys. Because now you need a one meter sticker. But more, eh? Uh, I mean, is that conspiracy or is that just the way that the, the government and the economy fucks over the little man? I don't know. But this is episode 34. It is the Battlefield Show. If you're listening, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing old episodes. Uh, I imagine you already subscribe. If you don't, then however you receive your podcast, whatever platform or player it may be on, then make sure you subscribe to the Battlefield Show. We are obviously on iTunes and Spotify. Of course we are. Acast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, God, too many mentioned. Basically, any podcast player will have the Battlefield show on it. And if it doesn't, you know, if you're messing with Big Man, I, I, I use this podcast player, it doesn't have it, then it's a fucking shiter. <laughs> okay. Just get yourself one of the big boys, but subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, and let's go to Battlefield Army. Episode 34, man. Um, I've lost count how many of these have happened in quarantine, happened in lockdown. Uh, I had a, a very promising and at the same time disheartening conversation with um, a theatre a theater this morning uh, about a show that uh, I'm meant to be doing in October. As, as of yet, we are unable to release the tickets because the entire uh, theatre staff and the council are currently furloughed, um, is what I was told. And there's, there's no, way, no way they can access the system. So as of right now, Tickets are not on sale for that gig that's maybe happening in October. And the worrying thing was that they, uh, we had a conversation today, which I suppose in a good way is it's it's nice that we're starting to have these conversations about actually performing again. Because as much as comedians need to get back working, venues need punters. Do you mean it's a two-way street, man? They need me and I need them. You know? We need to get back at gigging, back at touring, and people, people need a laugh, man. People need a break. Can you, can you imagine after lockdown? See the first person that suggests we go to the cinema after lockdown is over? I am going to punch that twat square in the fucking nose. I I, I think you may remember a programme um, back in the days when television was good, you know? And it was called... Uh, you bet. It's called You Bet. What a bloody show, right? And imagine Britain's Got Talent. Before Britain's Got Talent, um, you would have a panel of, uh, like, I would say British celebrities, but you know they're coming to like C-listers, right? And uh, what they would do is they would they would go on, and they would have members of. Uh, the public would, would turn up and, and they would have a, a skill, right? Not so much a talent, um, but a, a skill, okay? Uh, 1988 was the show. First episode, 20th of February, 1988. And the final episode, 12th of April, 1997. Almost 10 years. Unbelievable. Uh, who was the host? Saying here, presented by Bruce Forsyth. Matthew Kelly and Darren Day. No, I remember it. Matthew Kelly. That's how I remember it. Darren Day only presented one series, then it fell on its ass. Matthew Kelly was the presenter I remember on You Bet. 
So basically, members of the public would go on and they would say, for example, the ones that I remember are a guy could name underground stations, right, in, in London. Uh, simply by watching a video of the train approaching a station. Now, if you've ever been in the underground in London, you will know most of it looks the exact same. Some some places look different when you get into the station, but to be able to, you know, recognise it, call it, hey, that's a challenge, right? that's, that's a challenge right there. So he would go up against the, the, the panel and uh, they would have to say, will he do it or won't he do it? And then I think, yeah, they can win money or money for a chat. I, I don't know the ends and outs yet. I just remember that people would go on and do mad things. Another one was, there was a guy smashing up watermelons. What? Yes, this is what television was in the late 80s to mid 90s. Right? A guy going on and he would smash up watermelons within a set period of time. Another one I remember was a guy, there's a lot of guys, eh? I imagine a lot of divorced men they don't see the kids until the weekend for four hours. A lot of time in their hands, you know. <laughs> this guy, his his bet or his skill, if you like, was that he was going to uh, crack open eggs, boiled eggs, uh, with a spoon, right? And you're thinking to yourself, "Hey, big man, it's easy. Many of us have cracked an egg with a spoon. You crack it and then you scoop it." done right but his thing was because it's a twist it's a tv show you know um he was going to do it in a gcb digger there you're like what i'm telling you the guy's in a gcb digger and instead of a scoop at the front he's got a spoon taped, <laughs> gaffer taped to the front of a, a gcb digger and then he's going to use said digger to to crack eggs you know and this was television Right, and I know maybe some of you are listening to this who were born in the 90s um, who are not familiar with this particular show and you're thinking, that sounds awful. I'm telling you right now, what a fucking show it was. It was absolutely fuck. It was edge of your seat stuff. It's all coming back to me. I remember a guy uh, would name ABBA songs by only hearing the first uh, three seconds of a track. Um, amazing show. Wonderful show. How did I go to talk about that? I've no idea. What was I talking about at the start? I don't know, right? But we've started episode 34 of the Battlefield Show. Um, oh, yes, football's back. Football is back. I need to start taking notes. I really need to start. I mean, we're 34 episodes in. I really should have some notes here so that we can form some kind of structure uh, under these episodes. Um, but, yes, football is back right now. I I said uh, earlier on last week that I, I felt I felt quite sad that I was so excited about football coming back, right? But you know what? It isn't fucking sad because football is brilliant. It's, I've missed it so much, man. I I think it's I, I am I'm at the point now where I cannot watch any more net. I'm I'm I mean I am. I, I'm, I'm almost sifting through into another world within Netflix and Amazon. Does anybody know about these VPNs? I used to add a VPN years ago, I think when it first came out, because you could go online and get like American Netflix or 
Argentina. Remember when the VPNs were first kind of kicking about? And your mate would go, listen, tell you what's brilliant. See Argentinian Netflix. Mate, see if you're into cop dramas and rom-coms. Argentinian Netflix is... Mate, it's just wall-to-wall cop shows. That's all it is, man. Here, do you, do you like documentaries about Pablo Escobar? Nigerian Netflix, mate. That's what you need to go on about. So you would get a VPN. You would go on the American Netflix. I watched a lot of the American stand-ups. I wasn't getting the British one. And then again, like anything else, eventually you just wear it out and it's boring. You know, Netflix, the new thing is, I seem to be typing in films that I want to watch and going, surely it's going to be Netflix. It's a classic. And you type in, it's like, films related to the birdcage. You go, I don't want to watch it related to the birdcage. I want to watch the birdcage. So I have searched high and low through Netflix and Amazon and I'm, uh, I'm at the point of... of disaster when I, I, I can't invest any more time watching shit TV and film what did I watch I watched something the other night and the whole way through it I kept thinking how how has this been made and like not not in a not in a kind of in an inquiry way like I, I wonder how this was produced I'm like how on earth has this thing managed to raise the money in order to make this? Because it is the biggest pile of shit I've ever seen in my life. And I can't even remember the film. That's how fucking bad it was. I can't even remember the film. Um, but I football's back, man. And it's, it's saved the day. It has saved the day. I don't, I don't know if it's a structure thing. Like, I don't know if because, like, you know, on a Sunday, you, you're either, you either get home. So, my, my whole thing about uh, gigging and travelling is if, if the gig is four hours from home, I will drive home after the gig, right? Because um, four hours is kind of my cut-off because... Whenever you're done with a gig, whenever you're finished, your adrenaline, so everything's all running, so you normally you'll either sit and have a couple of drinks in the green room, depending on who's there, if people are all right and you want to catch up. You'll sit and have a couple of drinks, uh, you maybe wait till the club's done, maybe you'll then go to another bar, maybe you go back to the hotel. Either way, if you do go back to your hotel, for example, uh, and even if you go to your room, maybe you get a bite to eat or whatever, you chill out, you're not going to go to bed till two in the morning. Easy, right? Or I'm not going to go to bed to that time anyway, okay? So I always think, right, if I can get home, I'd rather wake up more in bed, I'd rather see the missus, get back to the tour manager, so I'll drive home, is, is the is the kind of marker in four hours, right? I know I can do four hours at night, in the dark, roads are quiet, easy, no bother without getting tired. So a Sunday, and especially a super Sunday, is always a thing you look forward to because you can get up and you get a whole day of football if you want. You know, you can even go out for a bit of lunch or you go for brunch somewhere you can walk about a wee bit you can maybe see a game in the pub and then you can come back and you can watch an afternoon game you know and chill out do a bit of housework or do a bit of do a bit of podcasting you know if you want do a bit of work whatever you need to do and then catch the evening game then if you really want you can watch the Spanish game and it's just a fucking great day of football and I think we forget as well that Oh my god, what happened there? 
the Euros would have been on the new. Yeah, nah. We all would have been sitting watching the European Championship, but instead we've got the Premiership to finish off, which is which is great. I did enjoy watching some of the Bundesliga games, but uh, like I said, the it's like anything else, man. Everybody the news just wanted to be part of some kind of tribe and just be be, be on some kind of quest. And, and the amount of stuff when it when it came out going like, I have been the biggest uh, Minchin Gladbach fan since time began. You're like, shut the fuck up. But now the Premiership's back now. Obviously, it wouldn't be um, English football without some controversy. And last night um, in the Manchester City Burnley game, which was a it was, it was a shake. It was a shite game, man. No, listen, I'm I'm not saying I'm glad the football's back. I'm not saying there's been any great games. I mean, most of the games have been fucking buzz. You know, and maybe we should talk about the whole fake noise of the crowd. Again, people just they don't seem to want to get angry about stuff. If you are getting pissed off because a television company is playing fake crowd noise during a, a, a football match that's happening behind closed doors, then you've got you've got problems, right? There's there's far deeper lying problems in the fact that there's fake I can't believe they're paying fake crowd music. I mean that's just it's a debacle. It's an absolute debacle. I heard some guy say it was a debacle on the radio like as <laughs> he came in the nineteen sixties. A debacle an absolute debacle. That word has not been used to describe anything in a long time. Equally, uh, I saw that um, the talk sport presenters were apologising far more than I had uh, ever recognised. And I, I think there was also an apology in Sky Sports because some people who'd been watching without the crowd noise had heard some sweary words and were outraged by this. And you're just thinking, fucking get over yourself, man. Get a grip. You can, again, just proving you can't please people. You know, you literally give them two offerings, right? You can listen to the game with crowd noise, you can listen to the game without crowd noise, and you get complaints on both sides. It's just, we may as well just listen to mute. I mean, I'd rather listen to mute than having to listen to Jamie Carragher's fucking commentary, but that's another thing, you know? But back to the game. So Burnley, Manchester City, someone had flown a banner over the uh, over the stadium and uh, it said all lives uh, matter right now the the thing that got me about this I mean I'm no I'm no laughing because of what's happened I'm laughing because one the, just the, the the waste of, of money I mean the 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 people who would have been involved in this, right, are laughable. And the second part is the fact that some of the response to it has been, I cannot believe, you cannot believe that the Midlands has got racists in it. I think the more shocking thing is that the racists have got the money to spend on getting a fucking plane and a banner to fly a, a white uh, white lives matter. What utter utter nonsense, right? Let me just uh, let me just get exactly um, 
what the wording of it was because I thought they had put up all lives matter in the banner and now I'm seeing a news article here that's it's claiming otherwise. So let's just get up right here. We go. Burnley are ashamed and embarrassed by a banner reading White Lives Matter Burnley. Right, sorry. White Lives Matter Burnley. Uh, it was towed by an aeroplane over the Etihad Stadium during Monday's match against Manchester City. The aircraft circled over the stadium just after kickoff in City's 5 0 win. <laughs> so it seems in Burnley, uh, White Lives Matter, but a strong defence is lacking. Imagine, um, I mean, imagine being the racist, knuckle-dragging, inbred little fuck nugget. Sitting with all your racist wee pals going, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to get, we're going to get a banner, right? You're not going to the stadium. No, hear me out. Hear me out, Franco. Hear me out. You know, Billy Bob's got that plane. We're going to fly a banner. What's the banner going to say? It's going to say, White Lives Matter, Burnley. Fuck me. Um, at the time, I never saw it, so I don't know if it was on the television. Um, but I can see pictures here, certainly in the news article, of the uh, of the plane with the White Lives Matter, Burnley banner being pulled behind it. What a fucking shower of assholes, man. I mean, see if you were attached to Burnley. You would be, you'd be embarrassed. You would, you'd be ashamed you know, but again, you're like, there, there must be a way, what I, what I love about all this stuff, right, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to go on and on about football fans, because I, I'm sick of hearing how, it's not all football fans, and you're right, it's no all football fans, just like, no all white people are racist, you know, but again, I'm sick to death of hearing this argument for it, Burnley rightly have to come out and make a statement, they are ashamed and embarrassed, Rightly so. This plane, Disney, disappeared out the sky. Right? It's not a fucking UFO. There's going to have to be some kind of paper trail involved in this. Nobody's gone cloak and dagger like it's 1943 and deep in the midst of a world war. Blackout blinds, street signs have been taken down, people move in the shadows. It isn't that. I understand there's a pandemic on. So people maybe haven't got the freedom of movement they once have, but some fucking clever racist has still managed to get himself down to an airfield. I mean, where do you even go? Where do you even go to get a fucking a banner dragged across the sky? I've no idea. No idea. But you're telling me that they couldn't find this company, find out who was responsible for putting it together, and just ban them for life. Just ban, just ban them for life. I, I find it insane. You know what I'm thinking about now? Remember the fucking the the Belfast bakery that refused to to make the the wedding cake for the gay for the gay couple. Now I know you're going. You're stretching this, big man. You're stretching this. Um, what were the name of these guys? They went to court and everything for this man. Um. 2014, Gareth Lee, a homosexual rights activist, placed an order with Asher's Baking Company, a Belfast bakery, for a cake decorated with the slogan, Support Gay Marriage, as same-sex marriage was illegal in Northern Ireland at the time. Um, and this was Gareth Lee versus Asher's Baking Company in 2014. 
right? Now, at the time, I can remember seeing this and thinking, go, maybe go to another baker's, but then maybe that's not the point, you know, and maybe you should be able to, to get these things done wherever you want, but I'm pretty sure that it was, was it not a Christian baker's? I mean, is that even a thing, a Christian baker's? Or maybe they, they were, or I'm reading here, they were evangelical Christian owners, right? Lawyers represent a man from Northern Ireland who sued a bakery for refusing to make a cake with pro-gay marriage messaging or going to Europe to challenge a Supreme Court ruling that its evangelical Christian owners had a right to refuse to bake it. Belfast human rights law firm Phoenix Law confirmed on Thursday it had been instructed by Gareth Lee to take his case to European Court of Human Rights. Lee was told by Asher's Bakery in 2014 they would not make a cake with a message support gay marriage on it because it was contrary to the owner's religious beliefs. Now, the fact that this got as far as it did is maybe a bit bad. I mean, if you go into a, a bake... Now, again, this is what I love about news articles, right, and, and, and stories that are reported in the press. You never really get a true story. Now, if this guy went into the baker's and says, listen, any chance you have a, a, a cake being made? Of course, mate, it's a, it's a baker's, for fuck's sake. That's what we do here. Uh, you want a message in the cake? I'm glad you asked. I, w- I would like a message. The message I'm looking for is support gay marriage. I'm going to have to stop you there, my friend. Um, strongly religious. Me even goes far to say we're a Christian bakers. All right? And uh, it goes against our beliefs. I'm very sorry. We're going to be unable to make that cake for you. Hey, I can suggest some heathen bakers that <laughs> would make it for you. Now, if that isn't how that played out, you know, if the guy went in and says, I'm looking for a cake, my man. Not a problem. You want a message on it? I do. I want the message. Support gay marriage. And then they start launching holy water at him. Right? Try to perform an exorcism. Then it's different. Okay? Maybe go to another baker's. You're telling me there isn't a Greg's in Belfast. They'll put in. You want a cake. Right? But the point I'm trying to tie back here to the football is, this man, a gentleman who's just wanting to have a cake made, Support gay marriage. Nothing wrong. I mean, hey, we all support gay marriage. He has had a more difficult time getting a cake made than a bunch of racists have creating a banner to fly over a football stadium during a global pandemic. What the fuck is going on? How on earth the club cannot find out who is responsible for this is beyond me. It's beyond me. So, I mean, it goes to show, if you getting a racist banner printed and dragged across, across the sky is, is easier than getting a cake that promotes gay marriage in Belfast. I mean, if we're no laughing, we're learning. Right, I should say, um, as always, if you enjoy the show, then please do like subscribe and share and if you want to support me and the podcast further then consider becoming a patreon by signing up to patreon uh, patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash big scott gibson it is the only way to get all of the content that comes out from me and from the show um, if you sign up to Patreon right now for as little as $5 for a limited time, you'll be able to access all of the content that's on there. You get an extra episode every single Friday. 
there is interview podcasts up there from the officers mess there is comedy albums um, and there are some wee video clips as well um, and the special that I was teasing online uh, will also be going to Patreonies as well so um, it's a great way to support the show and it's a great way to um, get some extra content as well for as little as $5 a month which is less than the price of a pint uh, or even a fancy coffee um, so think about it that way you're, you're buying the big man a pint once a month that's it and for the, the mere price of uh, a, a pint of uh, thirst quenching alcohol you're getting 8 episodes a month Jesus Christ um, also lots of things going to be happening in the Patreon as well once we get the numbers up um, as we push towards 100 we will start to do a monthly live podcast, uh, live broadcast on Patreon uh, for patrons only. So make sure you are part of that. Go to my website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk, sign up to the mailing list, uh, follow the links to Patreon through there by hitting the podcast tab, or simply go to patreon.com forward slash Gibson. All the links again are on the social medias as well, so make sure you do that one news story that I saw actually today, uh, in fact I've seen a couple that we're going to talk about um, obviously most of you will know now that I live in Edinburgh, old Ricky sold my soul to the devil uh, got at the crossroads, played the fiddle for the devil and uh, moved east, moved to Edinburgh in a, a shock Bosman summer signing uh, I, I came east um, some time ago now over a year ago, uh, shock, shock to the world of comedy, you know, Glasgow lost one of its sons, and they uh, moved to Edinburgh, but now I think I'm, I'm one of only two comedians uh, living in the city, uh, and and probably out of that, the only people in Edinburgh with a sense of humour, it's a strange, it's a, love, it's a lovely city, but it's a strange city, it is indeed, but one thing I saw, news article, Brayhead Shopping Centre. Some of you may know it. Uh, some of you maybe have frequented it. Like I, as a child, you possibly walked there, hung about there, caused havoc there as a Wayne, as a young whippersnapper. Many of us who, who grew up in that part uh, of the country will know a time before Brayhead. A simpler time. A happy time. <laughs> but, um, like I said, the, the news article I saw was that uh, Brayhead... Um, is possibly under threat uh, and it, it might close down now w- when I first heard it I did think at the time um, that that's a shame and it's a, it's a bit sad and I know some people who, who work in Brayhead and I know people who um, work in the in, in the venue in, in the, uh, in, in the well I mean it's an ice rink and it's a it's a, an arena you know I know people who work there people who work in the restaurants and and you would never like to see people lose their job but I think one thing that's going to happen after the whole coronavirus and, and something that maybe I don't know if governments get involved in it but people need to look at it is the is what once was the high street and what is the the absolutely astronomical there's a good word astronomical prices that these shopping centers will charge for units to have a, a space there 
there's a reason why you will hardly ever in fact I, I would imagine there is no independent shops operating inside these large shopping complexes centers now some of you might say that there's a market at parkhead or you know some shop centers down south certainly the one in birmingham i know i've got a kind of market area but that is not a that is not a a, a, a shop front or a unit within the complex these will be separate things closed off their own entity within that complex and and majority of the shops are, are chains the majority of the shops are, are, are the exact same things in, in each of them you might go to a different shop center and it's just got the same shops but just a bigger version i mean glasgow alone you look at silverburn and, and brayhead and the fort and and they're all pretty much the exact same shops just either bigger or smaller versions of that store and it's uh it's a difficult one because like i said you don't want to ever see people lose their jobs but i can certainly remember a time before brayhead when for example paisley was a busy town you know paisley was a functioning town i grew up and lived in renfrew and paisley was our nearest big town i know they like to say they're a city but they're not they're a town it was our nearest big town right obviously you could go to glasgow and even then as well glasgow was different but if you take paisley as a perfect example and renfrew the high street was busy there was no empty shop units there was a variety of shops different places the paisley center which was kind of like our shopping center before brayhead was busy you know there was small independent shops in it i remember there was a a, a record shop in it there was a, a game shop like before game existed um, they had the old Paisley Market in there, so that there was a whole variety of shops. But you could walk down that high street, and you could you could go shopping. You know, you could go and do Christmas shop, weekend shop. You know, you, like 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 you do now in these big shopping centres. Then Brayhead opened, and we thought it was exciting. We thought it was something new, and also you admit you thought it was like all Americanized these huge big shopping malls. And then once you go to Brayhead, you're like, this is, this is pretty shit. You know, there's not much in it, there's not much variety. And over time, the contrast to that is that you see a high street literally disappear. I mean, the, the high street in Renfrew, which is the town where Brayhead is, is effectively built. I remember there used to be a, a really cool wee skate shop in Renfrew. There was a, there was like a... Not a charity shop, but there was a kind of... What is the name of that? Is it Haberdashery? There was loads of wee different independent shops that not only were open, but were, were thriving. You know, we're, we're making money, we're making a profit. And when these big shopping centres move in, that's the first thing that goes, is the high street. And and, and is, it a, is it a case that we may see a return to to a thriving high street like small towns villages start to see that there are less people traveling out of the town out of the city to go to these big shopping complexes and, and back to spending money in the high street again that can only be a good thing for town small towns small villages across the country that can only be a good thing 
the, the other side of it, a lot of it's down to, to profits, you know. I imagine these shopping centres will have a, a vast team of, of staff themselves that they employ. Uh, they will be looking to turn a profit, a huge profit. I, I have no doubt that all of them could afford to drop their rents, drop their rates in some way and able to help businesses thrive. But then, like I said, because most of these are chains, you know, Boots the Chemist, HMV, um, all the shopping or the women's clothes shops that you're used to. All of these things themselves will make a massive profit. They could easily kick some of that back to the stores, to the, the area where it's in. And maybe they only make 50 million instead of 150 million this year. You know, they're still making an insane profit. But it'll be interesting, it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially when you look at Brayhead, which I believe is owned by Into, which I think owns a vast number of shopping centres across the UK. In fact, let's just let's just say what this this says here. Um Into Brayhead owner warns shopping centre may have to close. One of Scotland's biggest shopping malls is among a number across the UK that may shut as a result of financial difficulties caused by the coronavirus lockdown, putting thousands of jobs under threat. Shopping centre giant Into Properties has warned that Brayhead shopping complex on the outskirts of Glasgow is at risk of closure and it continues crunch talks with lenders. The group, which also owns the Trafford Centre, uh, Trafford Centre owner Into Properties, has said administrators may have to be called in if a deal cannot be struck. Bosses have confirmed accountants at KPMG have put have been put on standby as the company looks to secure vital breathing space ahead of a deadline on Friday. Into is hoping to arrange a so-called standstill agreement on terms of up to 18 months, but said that at this stage it's unlikely to be more than 15. It warned that if it cannot reach an agreement with its place in administration without cr- critical upfront funding from its lenders, there is the risk that the centres may have to close for a period. It emerged earlier this month that KPMG has been appointed to make contingency plans for Into's administration. Well, I mean, reading that doesn't read as too bad. It sounds as if they could be closing for a certain period of time. I imagine most staff are furloughed at the moment, and I know I wouldn't think that shopping centres are back open again. I could be wrong in that. I've just I've not been to a shopping centre in a while. It's a difficult one, man, and this whole coronavirus thing because we are we're still all focused on the kind of short term, and we don't know what the long term impact on this is going to be. You know, because. I, I certainly know people who have been shafted by their employer who were led to believe they were going to be furloughed or their job was in place and then the business just got into administration and they've, and they've fucked them and they've, they've left with nothing. Uh, like me, I have had no you know government money, no handouts, no, no loans, nothing since this time. It's been difficult to get through. But I also know there are hundreds and thousands of people across the country like that. And it's a difficult one because... All we want to do is get back to normal, but what is normal life going to be like once this whole lockdown situation is finished? You know? Because maybe the, the second wave that we discuss or, or the next thing that's going to happen is going to be a huge crash in the economy. And how, how is that going to affect us in day to day living? Especially if there's talks of shopping centres going under. Will they close completely? I don't think so. I imagine this will be a certain amount of time and back and forth a back and forth between the government to get some kind of bailout or some kind of funding in place that secures their profits, if you like. Because if these centres were to go down, it's one of those unique spaces that you can do nothing with. You know? 
you can do nothing with Brayhead. Like you're not opening that and and turning it into a fucking indoor trampoline centre. Although that would be a cracking idea. You know, five a side football pitch. I mean, you think all the businesses that are attached to that as well. Snow, well, what was Snow Zone, Xcape or whatever it's called now, the indoor ski slope where I used to work. You know, you've got the climbing centre there, you've got all of those restaurants. I tell you something, when that, when that first opened, what an absolute farce that was as well. So when, at the time, it was called uh, Snow Zone, right, was the indoor ski slope. And that company was being managed and, and as they put it, rescued by the guys who were responsible for the Millennium Dome, right, and Disneyland Pass. <laughs> so, you know how well those two things worked out. I remember meeting the guy, right, he was a French guy, and he came up for the kind of big unveiling, you're just going, this, this guy's just a, he's just a chancellor, he's just one of those businessmen that's got a bit of money and just talks the talk, but, you know, and then gets people in to employ it and or run it. And if anything looks like it's going bust, just just escape, escape as quick as you can, you know. And uh, so when it first opened, it was it was pitched to, I imagine, in, investors and other companies as this kind of indoor one stop entertainment complex for Glasgow in the west, right, or for Scotland. So you would have an indoor ski centre, a bowling alley, you know, all the big hitters. A cinema, uh, laser quest, some kind of amusement arcade, right? And on top of that, you would have uh, restaurants, Frankie and Benny's. Uh, they had, oh God, what else was in there? Uh, China Buffy King, which was amazing. I'll tell you another story about that in a minute. China Buffy King and downstairs they had a rib place, TGI Fridays and the usual stuff. Chiquitos, the usual kind of chain restaurants that you would imagine to be opening in these places. They also had a Café Rouge, right? Which didn't last long, it's now a five, guys. And I can remember when Café Rouge first opened, I went, that'll not last long. Nobody for fucking Renfra and Paisley is going to Café Rouge for a pate on toast, no? They want a slab of fucking baby back ribs, mate. Café Rouge was the first casualty to go. Now five, guys. But the whole premise on, for example, you are uh, Mr. TGI Fridays, right? And I say to you, hey, my man, I'm building this new centre. How would you like to open up a TGI Fridays in it? What we were told at the time was that they were given their contracts on the basis that the cinema would be open from day one, right? Because what that meant was there's going to be a constant footfall seven days a week and at the weekend massive spike because people come to the cinema right so when the centre opened the cinema wasn't ready and then when the cinema was open there was holes in the roof so because at the time the people who ran the centre where I think were involved with Snowzone or it was a connected company there we worked very closely with centre management, security and everything, so we knew it was growing with all the units, right? And we were actually taken into the cinema to see the fucking mess that it called. Now, I don't know if it was a leak in the roof or if there was a bus pipe or something, but one of the cinemas, and it was one of the big ones, I mean, decimated, man, like seats ruined, like a whole, like, swamp had gathered in the puddle at the bottom where the, where the floor's been kind of angled down the way, right, for all the fucking juice and sweeties and shite to roll down. Just a, a, a 
a lake inside this cinema. So it's been postponed, postponed, postponed. And so the shops themselves were given either heavily reduced rental during that period or almost no rent at all until the cinema was open because that was part of the contract. And because these things never really take off, right, because it's almost as if they try to... Well, it's not as if they do it. They, they, they do try and do it. They try and enforce this, this kind of Americanized idea of what a night out is or this Americanized vision of of, of your entertainment destination on you, right? And that's no, that's no for us, you know? Wayne's, bams, kids will go and hang about a shopping centre because there's nothing else to do. If you've been to Brayhead, you know, the, the entertainment bit, right? Xscape, I don't know what the fuck it's called now, but if you've been in there, you'll maybe go once or twice and that's it. You're no going back. People's ideas have changed, but what people want from eating out from food has changed. So that footfall was never there. So when the cinema did open and rates went back, that's when you saw the first big change in waves because a lot of the units shut down. Two of the independent retailers that sold ski equipment, uh, clothing, completely shut down. The big one, which was Ellis Bingham's, half the size of his unit because the prices went through the roof. If you remember back, Kevin Keegan, the bold Kevin Keegan, who was up there quite a lot, had that kind of indoor soccer skills thing, which shut down as well. Because the units are too big, the rates are too high, and they're not getting the people through the door. I always remember a story about when they were first building it, they had a, a cherry picker, right? You know what a cherry picker is? It's effectively like a, a, a small crane, like a wee lift. Uh, so you'll use it for things like plasterers use it, electricians use it. If they've basically you go to get up high in a roof, you'll use this wee cherry picker and it can be used indoors, right? Long story short, it was being rented to the builders or to the contractors. Uh, they built these internal walls and effectively built a wall around the cherry picker building this thing inside the fucking shopping centre. So the only way to get this cherry picker out would be to knock down a wall and then take it through the complex. And obviously they weren't willing to do that and the company who uh, they were renting it from weren't willing to sell it to them. So as far as I am aware... There is a cherry picker still inside an internal wall in Brayhead, Xscape, which will be on lease until the end. I mean, can you imagine being that building contractor? Like getting the... Somebody phone for Xscape gaffer, they want to rent a cherry picker. Have we got any in the, in the yard? There's only one left. Uh, right, tell them they can have it for a month, right? And then we need it back for our next job. No worries, gaffer. Just stand... In fact, you know what? Give them a discount since they're getting it for a month. All right, boss. No worries. A month goes by. Any chance we can get the cherry picker back? You're not going to believe us. Uh, one of the apprentices, one of the young boys, you know, he's he's read the plans upside down and he's fucking, he's bricked the bastard in. He's basically, he's built four walls instead of three and uh, he's bricked the fucker in. So we can't get out of it knocking down the internal wall. We can't knock down the internal wall because it's going to go through to China Buffy King. So, you know, any chance we can buy it off you? <laughs> that's that. I hope that call happened on a Monday. You know, because if you own that cherry pick, if you're the rental company, I mean that's that's Christmas. That's Christmas Day. How much would it be to buy? I, I see online to buy them new is is fourteen grand. So how about we do we do we do you take ten? Uh, how about you go and fuck yourself? That will remain on rental for now until the end of time. 
beautiful. We we got a tour once around the kind of the kind of back alleys, the kind of like internal corridors and doors of Brayhead, and it was cool, man. It was cool as fuck. The reason being, at the time, I was one of the uh, managers in charge of. So there was three of us that were in charge of kind of running the the slope, right? So we had to be shown where. So there's this a chemical called glycol, glycol, right? Which is basically used to make the snow. It's a, it's a liquid that is pumped through these pipes, and when it's mixed with water, it, it creates the, the snow, right? And they have it at a, a, such a low temperature, and at night time when the place is closed, it snows every night, and then in the morning, the guy who drives the, the cat, the big cat sporer, would come in and spread the snow, and flatten it out and make it all nice and ready for the next day, right? And it is, it's, it's, it's real snow, um, and when you pick it up, the reason why it's kind of... It looks a bit fake, or it doesn't look as though it's 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 good snow, is because it's not had a it's not had a chance to fall from a height, so it only falls from the ceiling, right? Because it comes out these guns and fires out. Now, if it could fall from two, three, four times that height, so if the building was taller, it would be better snow by the time it it hits the ground. If that makes sense, right? So we were obviously showing the the rooms where. The glycol was, the pit was, where the snow goes, where the dirty snow goes, how it recycles, blah, blah, blah. I remember being taken down to the generator, um, which is at the very back of the building. And if you can imagine a, a massive generator that you've seen in kind of like films and things like that, right? And it's all, you know, electrical panels and buttons and it's got a computer screen sitting separate where the, the temperature's controlled and it's got to be a certain temperature to melt the dirty snow and turn it back into water and clean it and then mix the glycol in. So if you imagine in your head a huge generator encased in ice, right? It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm talking a good a good foot, a good 12-inch thick layer of completely clear ice covering this thing. It was as if it was inside glass. Solid, solid crystal clear ice covering this thing cool as fuck now these glycol pipes um, they basically snake the whole length of the slope if you imagine like an underflow heating that kind of thing right and and what that does is help keep the the base so keep the snow when it's on the ground at that temperature right so it keeps it ice ice cold now if you're having to dig something out or you're having to you know dig a patch sometimes there's dirty snow sometimes there's blood in the snow and you have to dig it up or You've got, always got to make sure there's a constant kind of base layer. Sometimes what would happen is you would hit one of these pipes or the guy in the kit sporer would hit the pipe. And because it's pressurised, when this stuff hits, I mean, it would hit the, the, the roof, right? It would fucking go off. And we had to do these tests because if you get it into your eyes, it can it can blind you. And honestly, see, when we were in these meetings, man, you would think as if... You would think as if it was... Like, remember the film The Rock? When if one of these things touches you, your skin melts not. You would think it was that man. People would freak out. They would come into the office and like, "There's a glycol leak." As if, as if the whole world's got to end, man. A couple of times it's frightening when you put a mask on and you dig out, clip the pipe, you know, so that it stops the flow in it. But when when we used to go down the wee back corridors and kind of things like that, it was, it was exciting. And, and we're going through different different corridors to try and just kind of map the place and figure out where it was. 
And I remember opening up one of the doors into the units and going in, and it was the, the indoor crazy golf, right? Because every entertainment complex needs a crazy golf. And you're in there and you're going, fuck, right, that's a crazy golf. I know what side of the building is. And then once we opened up the uh, the door to, we never knew the time was the China Buffet King. <laughs> and see when we walked in that kitchen, man, the fucking carnage that was in that kitchen. It was just a whole load of Chinese people looking at us as if to say, who the fuck are you? And we're looking as if to say, we've clearly come through the wrong door, man. Just bags and bags of farm foods, frozen chips everywhere. <laughs> this, this is what I love about some of the the Chinese buffet places where you go. People in their mind honestly think that it's authentic Chinese food they're eating. And it's just fucking frozen wontons and frozen chips. <laughs> I remember once going to China Buffet King. And everybody's got that one mate that thinks that he's travelled, that he's a pure arsehole, and he's sitting going, oh, uh, what part of the Chinese province are the uh, potato croquettes from? You're like, mate, it's 5 99 for a lunchtime. Shut the fuck up and just eat the fucking potato croquettes. <laughs> I wonder if there's any good buffy places out there. I mean, still to this day, the best ones have been America, but I wonder if there's any, any really good buffy places out there. And if there is, fucking get in touch, man. But who knows what's going to happen with Brayhead. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one because I, I obviously don't want people to lose their jobs. I want these, I enjoy shopping centres. I think it's a good place to go and, you know, walk about, shop, get the stuff you need. But it would be nice to have that kind of balance between the high street. And I don't know what that balance is or that personal connection is because, I, again, at the weekend, we went along to Pitt Street in Edinburgh, which is a, a, is a food... Would you call it a market? I don't know. It's it's kind of an indoor, outdoor place. Food vendors, independent uh, retailers, and and so far I'm fifty fifty on it, man. I've been mixed response. I've had some good food out there, and I've had some awful food out there. I've not never had any great food out there. And uh, at the weekend, just gone, we we went along on a Saturday. You had to book a spot in. We had to wait for fifty minutes. I was a bit pissed off at that. The staff were quite arrogant and very cheeky to a group of people standing next to me. And then I, I, I queued up, uh, got my food, and it's one of the it's one of the worst things I've had in a long time, man. It was very, very disappointing, and, and I think I was so disappointed because I was looking forward to it so much, you know, because, again, it felt kind of normal. It was a weekend. We were going to somewhere who we'd been before. We were getting a pint. We were walking about. We were getting some food. We were going to go and watch the football. It felt like a normal weekend again. And uh, the food I had was, was, it was awful. It was garbage, completely tasteless. Um... It was awful, man. And I remember thinking, as we were coming home, I was, I was, I was angry. You know, I was, I was annoyed by it because I'm thinking people need to be very careful because I think the goodwill that people have now towards independent retailers, small independent businesses, you know, family-owned businesses, that will go very quickly if people start to take the piss. And by that, I mean. Especially when it comes to food, you know, if you are hacking open a bag of frozen chips and 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 claiming that this is some kind of it was a Mexican thing that I had right, and claiming that it's you know it's handmade and I can I can clearly see from where we are that it's just two dicks who are wanting to cash in. I hope those people are called out quick, and and I hope that people start to really think about where their money's going. And how they invest it, what they spend it on, because that goodwill that people have the now 
towards smaller retailers will go if the service isn't there and the quality isn't there. It will go quickly. But like everything else, it's going to be an interesting time to see what happens over the next couple of months. But fucking let me know if you know any good buffy places, man, because me and Malorca Lee are going to smash the fuck out of buffy once this is all over. I'll tell you that, I've nothing. Okay, team, um, we, we've rabbled on uh, for quite some time. More, more than I actually thought we would have, um, because I thought we would have got a bit more in this episode, but what have we not talked about? Um, picking up dog shit, big one. Uh, Bonkers Nightclub Glasgow, I wanted to talk about that. Um, McDonald's fast food documentary, we need to talk about that. Bags of flour in the supermarket, we need to talk about that. Scott's been asked to give their names and numbers in a pub, we need to talk about that. So much to talk about that we never get a chance to in this episode. Um, because we've rabbled on about, I imagine, a whole load of nothing. Um, but we'll pick that up in the Patreoni episode that will be dropping on Friday. So if you want to get that episode, then head to Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Big Scott Gibson and sign up. And you can get the Patreoni episodes as it drops every Friday. Right, before we go though, before I let you slip off into the night or day, let's do a news article from the world's greatest uh, journalists. It's everyone's favourite. It is, of course, that time in the show where we look at uh, a news story, usually from across the world, but from the wonderful free publication, that is known by many as the Metro, uh, and why is it free altogether now? Because it's a bag of shite. Um, this news story comes from Joe Roberts, published on the Wednesday, the seventeenth of June, um, when it was clearly uh, a quiet news day. Everything that's happened in the world, uh, and Joe Roberts, a, a relatively new name to his, the, the Metro world of journalism. Um, and I'll simply give you the headline because it's an absolute belter. Man fined £450 for provocative fart in front of police officers. That's correct. A man fined for a provocative fart in front of police officers. To be fair to them, the, the headline draws you in. Uh, if you're new to the show, um, I'll read the story. It's the first time I've read it. So we will uncover this gem together. Um, and the story reads, uh, a man in Vienna. That that shocked me. That has shocked me straight off the bat. I was not thinking Vienna. I was thinking this may have been um, somewhere down south, if I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, possibly Burnley. Possibly the same person who paid to have the banner flown. Uh, I imagine the type of people who would fart provocatively in front of police. Uh, a man in Vienna has been fined nearly £500 for farting provocatively in front of police officers. Austrian police were forced to defend the penalty. Sorry, were forced to defend the penalty after the Österreich newspaper revealed the man had been punished for offending public decency on June the fifth. Officers argued that the offender was uncooperative and behaving pro- provocatively, with officers leading up to the incident. <laughs> leading up to the incident. <laughs> leading up. 
to the incident. I like to think that there was a couple of officers who were just starting to stand off going, I, I, I feel as if there is a provocative fart brewing in this gentleman. <laughs> What's a provocative fart? What's a provocative fart? Like, we've all done... We all know there are different types of farts. You know, there's the comedy fart, which is it's just it's just noise. Right? Um the the a, a provocative uh, sorry, a comedy fart is a fart that is either well timed, for example, in the break in conversation, right? Two people, maybe three or four people, a group of people will be having a, a conversation and the conversation will, will stop briefly, merely for a matter of seconds. It may be for someone to take a breath. It may be for someone to begin a new story. And without warning or without saying a word, someone will fart. And that fart will ensue deep belly laughs from the people involved. Now, I have said this many a time on many different podcasts, and I will say it until the day I die. If you do not laugh at a fart, you are dead inside. Fact. Alright? If your first thought at hearing a fart is, that's disgusting, you're dead inside. The the child, the, the youth, the happiness that once lived within you is gone. That candle of joy burns no more. And you must seek help from a therapist or professionals. If you don't laugh at a fart, there's something wrong with you. Now, again, I cannot stress this enough, a comedy fart is sound, but not smell, right? Now, if you are one of these people who knows for a fact that 99.99% of your farts are noisy and smelly, then you need to be careful the company you're in those kind of farts only become comedy farts if you know the people you're with, right? Because they will laugh at the sound and then you can all enjoy the horrific smell together in a comedy way, right? So there's comedy farts. There's wee wet farts. We've all done one. We all know them. There's painful farts. Wee nippy farts, right? You do it. It's a bit stinging your bum. You don't know why that is. A provocative fart, though. I mean, definition of the word provocative. I've had to look this up here. Causing discussion. What? Causing discussion, thought, or, argu- or argument. <laughs> what? How powerful was this man's fart? That stopped a group of police officers in their tract in order to hold a thoughtful discussion or argument over said fart. This man should not have been fined if his fart was provocative. Not my words. The words of the police themselves. This man should be elected to office. The, the, the state of the world at the moment, everything that's happening in this world, the world is on fire. It's on fire. We are burning the fabrics of society at every fucking corner. Yet there is a man in Vienna who, with a simple fart, is able to begin discussion, 
amongst police officers. Another definition about provocative, um, here from the Oxford Dictionary, causing sexual feelings or excitement. Now, again, again, if you have someone who is able to stir up sexual feelings in a stranger simply by farting in their company, this, again, I'll say it again, this man should be elected to office. Let's read on. They wrote on Twitter, uh, why would they write this on Twitter? I don't know. They wrote on Twitter that the man had been sitting on a park bench before getting up looking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know we're meant to read this together, but that's just set me off. I'm sorry. I'll read that again. They wrote on Twitter, the man had been sitting on a park bench before getting up, looking at them and letting go a massive intestinal wind. <laughs> I need to read that again. Uh, wrote to, the man had been sitting on a park bench before getting up, looking at them. This is the polis. So he's got up off the bench, looked at the polis, and then in the police officer's words, letting go a massive intestinal wind, apparently with full intent. <laughs> full intent. You never try to sneak it out, you know? We've all done that in work, in the cinema, sitting at home, you, you shift your weight onto one cheek, you know, and you try and squeeze the fart slowly out into the fabric in the hope that there's no, no noise. We've all done that. We've also all pushed a fart back inside of us, right? We've all done that. You feel it coming, you go, I am in no place here. I do not know these people. I can't put my finger on this and fully confidently say this is going to be a quiet one so you suck it back in and you feel the bubble travel back up your, your fart pipe and you get a pain in your stomach we've all been there you know and then you think that's going to be a painful shite now that's how your body works against you your body isn't saying to you hey maybe let's try a fart now your body is saying i need a fart and you're like we can't force it back up so your body's like fine let it be in your head and it takes the fart back up and then it goes do you know what I'm going to turn this into a really painful shit in about an hour's time. And you're sitting in there, wishing, wishing you just let that fart go because that pain you would have felt at that moment is not equivalent to the pain you're feeling right now. <laughs> he let go a massive intestinal wind, apparently with full <laughs> It must have been a slow day in Vienna. If the police have just watched this guy, he stood up for the bench, looked up. <laughs> I mean, that is maybe now I'm seeing this as a provocative fart because that would uh, begin discussion. You know, he'd be like, "What have we just been tagged? Is this a, a mafia hit? You know, have we been told something's going to happen?" Is he get up off the bench very casually, cool as you like, almost as if it was premeditated. Turned to the police, looked him square in the eye, and shot himself. <laughs> I just love the way he got up, looked at them, and then squeezed, <laughs> squeezed it. One of the biggest farts of his life. Oh. 
That's beautiful, man. That's absolutely beautiful. That's how you should respond to the police. Just look at them square in the eye. Don't don't say anything, you know? Don't give them any cause to harass you further, give you any more abuse. Just look at them square in the eye and then rip the biggest fart you've ever done in your life. This guy's a fucking legend, man. Oh, the police then went on to say, of course, no one is reported for accidentally letting go. Obviously. You know? I mean, I know the world's changing a wee bit. We're going to be under a police state soon. Track and trace. The government is watching. But surely you can still accidentally let a fart go without getting to jail. But they find the man. Uh, it says the man can appeal the 500 euro fine, 447 pounds. Imagine going to court, you know, standing in court, and the sheriff or the judge, whatever, says, well, what, what is the case? Uh, the, the gentleman in question, sir, uh, he he, uh, he he let go a, a, an intestinal wind uh, very aggressively, provocatively towards the police. I beg your pardon? Uh, an intestinal wind, sir, uh, provocatively uh, towards myself and my colleague. I'm sorry, is this gentleman in court because he farted on a police officer? Uh, not farted on the officer, sir, no. That, that would be a that would be a different crime. Um he 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 farted in public. He farted in public and he's in my court. Yeah, yes, Your Honor. If you let me explain, uh, on the day in question, um Officer Fucknugget and myself and uh, were in the park. Uh we, we moved past the man in question and he stood from the bench, um at which point Officer Fucknugget and myself turned uh, and noticed the gentleman standing and the way in which he stood um, raised cause for concern uh, at which point he looked us directly in the eye uh, at the time I did reach for my pistol, my firearm uh, because I thought we could be under attack and my uh, assumption was correct because after that moment the, the gentleman in question uh, released what I can only describe as a massive, uh, massive intestinal wind um, which uh, provocatively caused uh, quite unrest and discussion and argument amongst my officer and myself um, we then apprehended the gentleman uh, handcuffed him, beat him repeatedly for hours, and fined him 500 euros. You black, get the fuck out of my court, and you two cunts are fired. Who's the guy that's on uh, Instagram who, who just farts? <laughs> just farts. And you're going, how do you know this, big man? These are the things that you need to have on your social media feeds. There's a guy who, who just farts. Uh, he'll, he'll do shout-outs. So he'll be like, all right, Margaret, this one's for you. And then crack a massive fart. Um, whoever that man is, um, we need to get him to Vienna. We need to hold like the World Fart Olympics in Vienna, and just to annoy these fucking cobblers. I can't even believe you get fined five hundred euros for farting provocatively at the police. <laughs> I know somebody got a fifty pound fine once for putting a fag out in the on the pavement. That was fun. Um, I'm a community officer and you've been fined £50. And this guy, €500 Euros for farting. What a... What a fart. I, I want... Now I want to know what the fart was. You know? I want, I want to know... How loud it was. Did anyone else hear it? Because in my head, he stands up, looks at him. Rips like a good 40 second fart. You know? Like, almost to the point where the police are like... Is this a bomb gonna... Like, they don't know what's happening. And then just points right at them. Is that fucking? That's what I think of you, cunts. 
There you go. 500 euro fine for farting. Provocatively at the polls. Now, again, I don't know what type of fart you could do at the polls without being charged. Um, maybe start off with a wee sneaky one. A wee, a wee comedy fart. I don't know. As always, that's the Metro. If you want to check it out, metro.co.uk. Some wonderful news stories on there. Uh, and that one was from Joe Roberts, uh, a hard-hitting journalist. Um, I mean, there's that, there's actually... <laughs> There's uh, comments in this one as well, which is rubbish. But anyway, right, uh, guys, that's us for another episode. We're over the hour. Um, so we're going to carry these uh, on to the Patreon episode that will drop on Friday. Um, I've got some questions as well from you that we just we just never get a chance to, to get on this one. So if you asked a question, thank you for doing that. And your questions will be on the Patreon episode, which will drop this Friday and every single Friday. Um, as always, subscribe to the show, share it, uh, grow the Battlefield Army, and head over to Patreon and become a patron now uh, for as little as $5 so you can access every single show, all the extra goodies and the content that comes out, um, you know, as it drops because it's bloody brilliant. Plus, you'll be helping me and supporting the show. So let's do that now. Uh, right, thanks for listening. Take care of yourself as always. Be safe. Uh, stay well. You know, look after the old one metre, two metres, whatever it is. Wash your hands and your arsehole. Uh, get in touch with any questions uh, or topics for other episodes and I will speak to you all soon. If you're listening to this on Wednesday as it drops, remember the quarantine quiz uh, is still on on Facebook, 8.30pm. So join me for that. Right team, uh, as always, thanks for listening, uh, thanks for subscribing, thanks for sharing and I will see you in a battlefield soon. Onwards. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.